Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people doing extraordinary things. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, episode 23. Today we have Megan Prasnick on the call. Um, she used to be the head of, head of communications at Cliff Bar and uh, is a current head of communications at All Trails. So super excited to talk to her about that because I'm a big All Trails fan. But it was also the 2019 overall age group winner at Ironman Cozumel in a blistering time of nine hours and 32 minutes. So to talk all things quarantine, training, life, and communications, welcome to the, uh, to the podcast, Megan. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure to have you on. You know, uh, even for us, what we always love to do is sort of start with the story of how did you get here? You know, where you, I mean, to perform at your level as an athlete, especially Ironman, it's pretty hard. Were you inspired from a kid? Were you a high school athlete? Did you do stuff in college? How did it sort of evolve for you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it's just been evolving ever since I was little, really. You know, my parents were both athletes. My mom in particular was an incredible athlete. And she never forced it on me, but she, you know, every morning my mom would get up and go for a run. And even when I was little, I wanted to go for a run with her. So I ran my first race when I was in kindergarten. It was called the Smile Mile. It was put on by my dentist office <laughs> to try, try and get kids outside and being healthy. Um, and I was just always running. I played soccer growing up, um, played sports in college. But I remember even when I was playing competitive soccer growing up, um, my parents were getting into sprint triathlons. Mm. And I wanted to do them too. And so I started doing triathlons in the off season to stay in shape for soccer. And I'll never forget one afternoon I was laying on the couch with my dad. He was like kind of holding me. And I think I was maybe in fourth or fifth grade or something. And I'd never even heard of Iron Man. And the Ironman World Championships in Kona were being broadcast. And it was just wild. I mean, to think you, it's hard to do a sprint triathlon and to watch these, I mean, just absolute specimens entering the water and undertaking what they were about to do that day was just mind blowing. And I turned to my dad and I looked at him and I was like, do you think I could ever do that one day? And I'll never forget, he just looks right down at me and he says, Megan, you can do whatever you set your mind to. And so I think that that kind of always stuck with me. And it was always in the back of my head, even when, you know, I was advancing with soccer in high school and sports later on in college, and you really had to stick to one sport and there wasn't much deviating from that and the specific training from the sport that moment kind of always stuck with me. And so when I um, graduated from college um, and found myself working at Cliff Bar, you know, I was like, and, and was in good shape, felt you're kind of in the perfect position right now 
to attempt this. Mm. Um, I was surrounded by people who knew everything about nutrition for endurance athletes, who knew about racing. I was working with professional endurance athletes. Um, and I kind of figured, well, if I'm not going to attempt it now, when else am I going to attempt this? And I just fell in love with it. I got the bug. You know, people asked, don't you just want to run or do you just want to swim or do you just want to ride? And I can't imagine not doing all three disciplines and putting together because I just love it so much. Wow, nice. That's so a since that day, Megan, like how, how many how many Ironman or how many half Ironman have you completed? Oh man, I it's definitely in the double digits by now. So I can't I can't recall. Probably, I mean, it's over if we're putting them all together just under 20 maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a favorite Ironman that you've run other than Cozumel? <laughs> I know. Well, the favorites are always um, <clears throat> the ones that you do well in, right? Yes. Uh, I uh, live in the Bay Area. And so actually last year was my first year racing um, a half in Santa Cruz. But I really do love that venue as well. You're right along mm -hmm. the coast. The course is great. Nice rolling hills, flat course. Um, so that one's really fun. Obviously, Kona is very, very special. Um, and then I also have raced up in Canada, both Ironman Canada and uh, the half in Victoria, which is just beautiful. Absolutely stunning. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the Canadian plug as well. Too. Cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will say, I remember on when we first got there <clears throat> a few days before the race, we're driving up to our condo and a black bear just like dashes right in front of us. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, kind of blew it off. But just thinking to myself, I hope that that isn't something that I have to deal with on race day. <laughs> no. Sure enough. There were black bears on the course and they no, made really? a detour. Yes. And I was shocked because there was this volunteer. I mean, this woman isn't getting paid to do this. There's a volunteer standing on the course. She's like, there's a black bear over here in these trees. You guys are going to have to run this way instead. <laughs> and I was shocked. At I mean, she must have been a local or something because I was shocked at how calm this woman was telling all the athletes you have to take a detour because there's black bears over here well and i'm sure i'm sure when i as a canadian travel down to florida and i run into an alligator or a crocodile or whatever i would be <laughs> petrified but somebody somebody would be riding it like a like a horse or something i'm yeah, sure yeah. exactly Hmm. They'll they'll mix it up for you. Maybe run, make you run a little faster. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> you get out and do enough trail running, you do end up finding uh, stuff that you never imagined you'd find. You know, mm -hmm. so you would probably all run into a, a a mountain lion or two every once in a while. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so yeah. So you soccer meaning running. Then how did you like the biking and swimming? And so it's always this thing about Ironman, which is which are you good at? You know, if you're one of those kids who started swimming when you're five, that, that swim in Ironman seems to be easier than like, I don't know, I had to work for four years to, you know, get that 2.4 mile distance where I could actually feel confident about it. 
How do you feel about the different disciplines? Any of them better for you than others? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Every year, the discipline that I'm finding that I'm strongest at seems to change. Hmm. So actually speaking of Florida, um, I grew up in Florida. And so they basically throw you in the water to make sure that you can turn over and float to the side before you can even walk. So I was one of the lucky few when I decided to pick up Ironman that, you know, I wasn't, I by no means am um, a collegiate swimmer, but I was very confident and very comfortable and um, had the basics down. And so Mm -hmm. it was just a matter of really continuing to build that endurance and refine. I mean, so much of swimming is technique. Because if you can get that technique down, then you're going to be in much better shape. Um, And just continuing to refine that technique and make it as efficient on my body as for my body as possible. Um, So when I started, um, it was probably the run. But you know, if I'm really comparing myself to other athletes, because so many Ironman athletes were you know these all-american runners or ran in college and so i wasn't one of those but a lot of ironman athletes also do struggle with the swim um and so much of the swim is mental and so the fact that i think i could show up not have any mental blocks around the swim be confident in my swim that was um you know certainly the discipline when i first started out that was my best Mm. um but there's also a saying in Ironman, and that's you're not going to win it in the swim, but you can yeah. certainly lose it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of athletes, and it's true, it's one of the three disciplines, but it's also the shortest. And the thinking is kind of just do the swim and get it over with. And that's maybe an hour of the race, and then you're actually really into the race. So as I started putting, and you only have so many hours in the day that, and in the week that you can commit to three different sports. And so as I progressed and I started, you know, trying to make more time for cycling and for running, my cycling certainly started to come along more, which was funny because with a soccer background, I ran a lot, but um, I think it was also just something that I was really enjoying and it's easy to progress and get better at something when it's something that you truly love. Um, and lately my run, especially this year has really seemed to evolve and pick up. And I think my run is, um, stronger than my swim and my ride right now. So it's funny to see how you evolve as an athlete over the years and where your strengths are and how that all can ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah. And so Megan, why why the improvement in running? I mean, are you are you just putting more time in the office when it comes to to, to running? Are you are you are you being coached a bit differently this year? Why why the big in, increase there? I I am being coached differently. Um, I will fully admit, you know, I think in the past I'm pretty stubborn and gritty in nature, and I thought that with training, you could just go out and grind every day, just push yourself as hard as you possibly can. And you know, if you are pushing yourself really, really hard in a swim, it's it's not as taxing on your body. Even on the bike, it's not as taxing on the body. It's not Mm -hmm. going to make you break down. You really cannot do that 
when it comes to the run, um, really any of them, but especially the run. Um, <clears throat> and I made with my coach um, a very concerted effort, and I finally decided to start listening, despite the advice that I'd been given in the past years. The hard workouts need to be done hard, but the easy workouts really need to be quite easy. And it's amazing. Once you start going slowly and taking these easy workouts easy, you actually, in the long run, can become a lot faster. Um, so as we started doing that and really training, um, you know, lots of zone two, lots of aerobic development, um, come race day, I was taking minutes off my time. You know, this is a fascinating um, topic that is getting, I don't know if it's more awareness and prominence, but more proof for sure. You know, Mark Allen, who was one of the best Ironman athletes of all time, you know, his whole attitude was, I ran slower to get faster. Mm -hmm. You know, for a year, this is a guy who could crank out five-minute miles who was running eight to nine-minute miles for a long period of time. What's interesting to sort of explore on this topic, though, is that I've started more as a cyclist, became a runner, then did triathlon and all that, now back to running. Cyclists, to me, were always the worst in that, like, oh, let's go for a, fi a fun ride, and everyone hammers, and no one ever can go easy. Uh, you tend to run by yourself more than we ride by ourselves. And then you can sort of meter it better. But nonetheless, this whole idea creates some dissonance in our heads about if I'm not going hard, I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And it really takes a very big concerted effort from the coach and the athlete to make this breakthrough. And, you know, um, I think it'd be sort of fun to think about, like, what is in the way? Like, something that's now literally proven, right? You know, two hard workouts a week is what you need. Mm -hmm. And you're going, running seven days hard, you're just getting worse. Like, any thoughts, Megan, on what's how we break through better? Because performances would improve significantly for people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, like, if you are doing this sport, I mean, I think it's a few things. If you're doing this sport, you're competitive. You're not just competitive with yourself. You're competitive. You like to push yourself, but you're also competitive with others. I will fully admit you know, I am out on a ride and I am being told like, easy, easy, don't go over this certain like watt threshold and someone passes me. That pains me. And I know maybe like, especially, I think a lot of ladies could probably relate to this, especially when it's a man on his bike who is just like sprinting ahead of you to try and prove that he's faster than the woman and you know very well that you actually are faster than him uh, all you want to do is pick it up and just blow him away and leave him in the dust um but you know so one i maybe think it's a little bit of pride um two i think it's that we're you know we're competitive but then you know you also look at things like strava like there's even a saying out there it's like Strava or it didn't count no and doubt. all of the you know <clears throat> um everybody coming together around badges and trophies and koms and i mean quite frankly if people are willing to run red lights and stop signs 
dangerously in hopes to achieve some kind of a KOM, then they certainly, I think, are willing to go above the threshold that's been recommended for them to try and achieve it as well. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's a lot of things. And I think that there's also just, I think it's a hard concept to grasp as well. I didn't believe it until I started actually witnessing it and putting it into practice. And it's weird to not feel this like almost um, that like satisfying level of exhaustion that we all crave after a workout. Um, and sometimes you feel like you've accomplished something when you're so exhausted. But in reality, if you actually are, you know, doing these long workouts, easy, not feeling completely broken down, that actually is a measure of success too. And what you're, you know, accomplishing fitness wise. Yeah, Joshua Cheptegei, I'm sorry, Dave. Joshua Cheptegei, who broke the record for the 5K and the 10K this year, two days a week he runs a 10-minute mile for his training. This is a guy who can crank out 10K at 420, and he runs 10-minute miles. Imagine how slow he must feel, right? But he knows that that makes him better. So, you know, maybe what we'll have, Dave, is one of our themes here is to remind people that in your training, you know, it's not always speed that's going to make the improvement. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard. It's not just hard. I mean, mentally, um, but also physically, you know, like it feels awkward to go that slow Mm -hmm. when naturally you fall into a certain cadence. Um, So it it even took, it took discipline both mentally and physically to start running slower, but just keeping that long-term goal in mind has really helped. And I would agree, Megan. I think like when you think of the two things, number one, the ego, kind of ego is your enemy um, in this sport because yeah, Strava, it's tough. Like when you know you could run faster and get it over and done with, if you have a 20 kilometer run that you need to do, you know, you could end up picking up the pace just to get it over and done with quicker. And, you know, it shows up on Strava and everybody sees it. And they're going to be commenting why the slow run and you know you can run faster. And so there's all of that. But I think that <laughs> to your point too, Megan, like um, when it comes to, you know, we like to think that hard work comes, you know, big results. But yeah, it, it's, you know, science has kind of pulled it over on its head back and forth and back and forth. And yet we still don't grasp that. You know, the larger community doesn't grasp that. And so I wonder what, what that's going to take in order for the community to come to come together and say, okay, let's stop being so hard on, on one another for, for, for decreased efforts because decreased efforts end up bringing better results. Right. I mean, look, like, let's also look at all the marketing that's out there. You know, mm-hmm. just think about, for instance, like a Nike ad. They're a marketing machine. Just do it. You know, like one more effort, constantly push, like trying to inspire you to give your absolute all day in and day out, which is a great notion, but it's not exactly realistic for most athletes. And, you know, or thinking about just, you see these like this content out there around like no days off. Well, actually days off are really important, you know, and you need to listen to your body and you need to go slowly when um, the workout calls for it. So yeah, I mean, just, just to um, reiterate how I think there's so many things in our always on society right now that are pushing us to 
constantly just go, go, go full steam ahead until the point where we're actually just could be running ourselves into the ground. Well, that, what's really interesting about that, Megan, is that you're, you're, you're a communications professional. You're the head of communications at All Trails and, you know, formerly worked at Cliff Bar. And, and so you, you're kind of on the back end of that communication, too. So you have a really cool perspective of all this. So, you know, maybe, maybe you know, kind of go into that a little bit more about, you know, how you found success in this very difficult sport, maybe by not listening to the, to, to, to the communications model that's, that's out there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, I think that there are a lot of mixed messages that are out there. We know, um, I mean, the media is constantly just, inundating us with different pieces of, I mean, whether it's, you know, the latest trend diet or fad workout to get you, you know, bikini ready. We all want, and I think Americans in particular, but just even as a global community, we want a fast fix for something. And we're impatient. Human beings are impatient. And we want a fast fix. And brands are smart and they know how to position this and they know how to um, push out messages that you are going to want to consume and that are going to help you consume the brand. But, you know, just going back to, for instance, what we've been talking about with training, like a fast fix isn't going to always be the right method in helping you achieve those long-term goals. You know, so if you want to do an Ironman, a lot of times that means taking it day by day and going more slowly. If you want to get healthier, that might not mean doing a fad diet. It means eating a balanced, wholesome, nutritious diet. Um, thankfully, you know, the two companies that I've worked for in the past and have so much love for and passion for, you know, I think really did do a very good job about preaching balance and what's realistic um, for living a wholesome life. You know, when I was at Cliff Bar, um, it was really about on the go, healthy, nutritious, organic snacking. Um, you know, it wasn't about low carb, low fat, keto, plant-based. It's what are sustainable on the go packaged because we are on the go, you know, a lot of times we do need to reach for something packaged, packaged items that you can consume that's going to keep you going for whatever your adventure is. At all trails, you know, again, we're not out there to um, help you count every single or measure every single calorie that you're burning when you're out on a hike um, or a trail run. You know, we're not out there trying to um, push you to achieve a new PR. What we do want to do is we want to help you, anybody, get outside and start exploring and enjoy nature and find the mental and physical health benefits that you can seek out in nature. And I think it's, you know, we all can do a much better job at trying to think for ourselves and filter through a lot of these messages that the media is giving us and think through what's actually realistic and what's going to create a much more sustainable, um, healthful lifestyle. Yeah, I think, I think Megan, you clearly 
right in the middle of it, right from all angles. You know, the the social media sort of fake life that many people live, you know, we, we talk about Facebook uh, a lot and Twitter or Instagram, but then you have a Strava that plays a similar role. You know, what, what I think, you know, I like to hang out with people who in a community of people who support each other, no matter what, you know, like I love running with people who want to run a 12 minute mile, you know, and just getting out and being with them and supporting them. Right. And, and not three steps ahead trying to push the pace, but right behind their shoulder so mm-hmm. they feel good about it. And I think we can work hard ourselves to, you know, the training message is great. Some days we should go hard, some days we should go easy, but more broadly, we shouldn't worry so much. You know, look, you guys have amazing accomplishments. If you talk to someone who never knows what Ironman is, they don't know if nine hours is good or bad. I mean, like, huh? Like, and so, sometimes we get a little wrapped up in what we do and we miss sort of the forest through the trees and no pun intended with all trails. I think it's, you know, it's absolutely just good to get us out, right? Get us out with knowledge, support, community, and then share knowledge like this. You know, Dave and I are are certainly trying to instigate good, good thinking and good habits. Um, But yeah, you know, I think it'd be fun to tell people a little bit more about the all trails mission because it's different and it's, it's really accessible to everyone. That's what its purpose is. I understand it. Uh, not just for FKTs, right. You know, fastest known times. Uh, but that's, it was a big decision for you to leave a brand like cliff to go to all trails. And, uh, you know, we were excited when you did that because it's a, it's a great system anyway. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell a little bit about the mission and how, everyone can relate to that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a few things about, you know, our mission. One, we wholeheartedly believe that the outdoors is for everyone. Everybody deserves a right to the outdoors. Um, And our mission really is to just ignite the spirit of adventure in everyone. Um, and, and connect by connecting them to the outdoors and to each other, because I think the each other part is sometimes overlooked, but um, also really important. Um, you know, sorry, my husband just got home. So oh, no, 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 <laughs> um, but also really important. And, um, you know, and what's so great is that community really is fostered and can be built in the outdoors. Um, So I left Cliff Bar to come to All Trails. It was a bit of a hard decision, but, you know, if I was going to leave a company, if I was going to leave Cliff Bar, All Trails was going to be the company that I was going to leave for. Um, And, you know, we are actually experiencing, I think, this revival of hiking right now because of the pandemic. You know, hiking has always been progressing. It's always been growing by in popularity. You know, you had Cheryl Strayed who released her book Wild, then we had the book, you know, then we had the Wild film come out um, just with Gen Z and millennials interest in conservation and the outdoors and being connected to the environment. I think that they have sparked a lot of popularity among the sport and um, hobby, however you think about hiking, trail running. Um, and, 
you know, but this year people really reached a really important turning point with the pandemic and they were trapped in their homes. Gyms were closed um, during the summer, you know, kids were home, summer camps weren't happening and people didn't know what to do. Not only did they want need to move their bodies physically, but mentally we all, I think were fighting a lot of anxiety. And so we turned to the trails and to our public lands and to the outdoors. Um, and, you know, not only did we see, you know, quantitatively that everybody was turning to the outdoors, we saw over three times the amount of trail traffic. We saw um, signups have increased by over 115%, but qualitatively too, you know, we go through and reread all of the Twitter comments or all of the Instagram comments or what kind of content people are, or the emails that we're receiving from our users. And overwhelmingly, the key theme here and the key message is that people are getting outside for their mental health. Um, and it's they're how lucky they are to have this app, how much they needed this to get outside, how much better they feel having spent time outside. Um, and you know, I think that hopefully this is just the acceleration of a trend, what we're seeing. I think that when we reach really difficult moments, you know, we readjust our habits. And I think a lot of people started readjusting their habits this year. And so, you know, there's hopeful news about a vaccine that's coming out. So hopefully even post pandemic, we continue to see more people getting outside and we continue to see more people, um, you know, enjoying our public lands. The other thing that I will say about all trails is that, um, you know, a lot of people I think get caught up and are concerned about conservation and more people being on the trails and what mm -hmm. this means for leave no trace principles or you know whether we are polluting our land and i think that it's just really important during these times that one we continue to leave our public lands better than we found them but two that people really try and enjoy their time outside because conservation begins when we are outside connecting with our public lands and the more that we can get outside the more that we can actually experience the ways that nature is able to give back to us and the mental physical health benefits that we're able to reap in the outdoors the more we're going to be um, driven to take on issues like climate change, to take on issues around like what we're doing to, um, you know, what we're doing to our oceans. Um, and I think that this year has been challenging, but I do think that there's also um, at least, you know, we've been very lucky in the outdoor industry. There has been a bit of a silver lining and we've been able to reconnect with a lot of the things, family, the outdoors, um, you know, friends, if we're staying within our social pod, the things that really do matter to us. Nice. David. Oh, there we go. I was muted. Sorry. Um, I, thanks so much, Megan, for all the work that you're doing with All Trails. I'm a big user myself. I know Joe and I have talked about this offline as well, too. Big user. Um, I don't know of too many people who aren't using it. And, and I think it's, you know, really a, a 
you know, it's a great way for people to, to get, you know, get into their outdoors, be comfortable with it. And then of course, from there, you know, go for more hikes, go for, you know, start running, maybe try to start cycling and maybe end up doing something like you're doing with Ironman down the road. But I mean, so let's go into kind of your training this year, um, Megan, I mean, with, you know, talk about community, talk about all, all these different things. We, we're in the middle of a, of a massive quarantine, a, a big, you know, the, you know, I've, I've never, I've never lived through a pandemic before and hopefully never will ever again. Um, how's your training going? How's your, your race schedule looking uh, coming into 2021? I, well, I just had another mar- another race canceled this morning. Um, so that was a bit of a dagger in the heart, but you know, I also have to say, um, it's a bit of a first world problem, right? And it's, um, something that I'm trying to keep perspective on. It's hard at times, but I'm still able to go out and train and enjoy the outdoors. It's one of the safest places that we can be right now. Um, And, you know, it's been challenging, but it's also given me time and space to really focus on training and really build my base. And, you know, um, think about some personal goals that I can set for myself in training um, to work towards and think about where are the areas for improvement that I have that I can be working on that I might not have had the free the time to commit to in the past you know with a calendar that's often so stacked with races you are just focused on okay how am I going to peak for this now I've raced and now I need to recover. And when do I need to start trying to ramp up for the next race? But this has been a great opportunity to step back and assess and think about, um, you know, what areas I can improve on and how I want to set myself up for success next year. Um, I've also, you know, been, um, able to actually get much fitter. So, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, a lot of zone two this year. Um, And you have that competitive edge, but just trying to funnel that competitive mentality into how you can be the best best version of yourself um, with, you know, despite all the circumstances that we're working under. Yeah, for for our listeners, uh, zone two, would be a low heart rate zone. So you are uh, in that situation, not gasping for breath all the time. You're feeling pretty good about, you know, effort. And it would be an effort that you could feel like you could go for long periods of time. Uh, and there is, uh, you know, physiological research that shows that the body um, can work very well and it adapts to other fueling systems fat burning systems versus just carbohydrates. Uh, And so there has been really good research. So the heart rate data that you get on, if you have one of these Garmin kind of watches will tell you some of that uh, information that helps guide us. And uh, and it's fun, you know, I actually look forward to the easy ones now. It's like, there's so much fun. I'm like, oh, I don't have to suffer today. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're given permission, right? Uh, right. that, that That it's in fact good for you. Uh, I know for myself personally, I always want to run a little bit faster, but you know, it's good for you to run slower. And then the harder days, like you said, Megan, um, you know, they should be harder even still, you know, like we could work harder on the harder days, 
but then less on the on the lesser days. Oh, Megan, you're on mute there. Oh, sorry. Ah. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, my husband just got home an hour and a half early from golf, and now he is running all around the house with his golf clubs, and it's a little hard to focus right oh, now. Oh, that's so funny. I love it. Oh, this is, I love this it. is real life. That's what we like about this. This is real life, and, right. you know, two people working from home, so. Oh, God, how many, of, how many of those conflicts have happened in here? We wouldn't even be able to count them, right? Uh, you know, we've had uh, other things happen all the time. You know, we're not in the studio, but but we're still the story still matters, and because it is the reality that we deal with. And you know, you're what I like in the guests that we've had. Most of our guests, at least in the sports that we tend to talk to, people are working full time and are in their their own way a full time athlete. To compete at the level you are, you have to put in a lot of time. You know. Uh, we had Pete Kostelnik on, who has the record for running across the U.S. He works full-time and still runs 120 miles a week, you know. I mean, Dave's a full-time worker and athlete. And so, um, and then we throw in this craziness, which is we're then stuck in the house uh, for safety reasons and good reasons at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I imagine that, you know, you said another race is canceled. What's your sort of sense for 2021 in racing? Are you – and it's sort of just like lay low and not worry, amp up, just play it by ear. What are you thinking? I know. I mean, uh, so I, I'm hopeful. I really am hopeful. And um, I'm trying to approach this like, and at the beginning of the year, like there will be racing. Um, a few, um, you know, weeks just a few weeks ago, they did have Ironman Florida. They've had other Ironman events that were going on. Um, they seem to be able to manage them pretty well with social distancing. Um, but, you know, then, of course, Ironman Arizona was just canceled, which was, I think, supposed to take place next weekend. Um, I just had a marathon canceled today that isn't supposed to happen until March. Oh. Um, so, you know... I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I'm hopeful. Um, and I really do hope that um, I can just continue training now, stay positive, and that next year, maybe there's a vaccine. We seem to be getting more and more um, positive in, uh, news about the vaccine. Um, and maybe that will mean that we can get back to racing next year. Yeah. Dave's trying to do his uh, his planning for his transcon uh, attempt at breaking the record in Canada and same issue, right? You can't oh, yeah. completely plan yeah. for it. Well, I think that all you can really do is is stay fit, stay race ready, um, you know, just be in a good position that you could end up you know, on a, on a, on the last minute notice, you, you could do this. Um, yeah. So yeah, like Joe was alluding to Megan, I'm, I'm planning to run across the country and, in May or June of, of 2021 or not. Um, but you know, I, I've also got to do my part. I've got to wear my mask. I've got to be respond respectful uh, of other people's health and, and their concerns and, and try to diminish the curve as much as I can in order for my life that I really wanted to get back to normal or whatever normal was beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to go back there as soon as possible. Um, how, how are you, how are you feeling? You're down in Florida, Megan, right? 
Um, so I grew up in Florida. Um, okay. I now live in California. Mm. Um, and, you know, I also look like different parts of the country are, you know, adapting to the pandemic and <laughs> differently. Um, yeah. California is reacting a bit differently than Florida is right now. So, you know, I also think that with Iron Man taking place in all different places all over the country, um, a lot of it is also based on, um, you know, the city's decision on whether they decide to carry on with the race or not. But, you know, Dave, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, at the end of the day, this is a first world problem for me that my races are canceled when we're going through a global pandemic and people have lost their lives. And, um, you know, if I need to not race for a while to do my small part to make sure that everybody is safer and healthier, then by all means, that's absolutely what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think uh, we are all sort of in that same mode. And I, when someone cancels, it's not they're actually being careful and we, we need to all be careful. It's a, it's the same kind of safety rules that we have in, in any of what we would want to go out and do. I mean, you know, one of the things with, I'm sure with all trails, like you're always thinking about the safety of being out on a trail as well and forget the pandemic, you know, uh, you know, if your animals are around, you know, guide people, or if you're a female and you're, you know, uh, going out at night, it's always sort of like any one of these circumstances, we often know that the world is not uh, perfect as we might like it. Um, and so, you know, so one of the questions that I, I sort of wanted to pick up on a little bit in uh, relating to your training and your performance, you know, so you, you've put a lot of effort in, you've become very successful, you probably can get even faster in your, your racing. Um, you know, women's sports, uh, in elite, like in trail running, you know, women have really certainly uh, got more notoriety. You know, we had Courtney on last week. Um, you know, we had uh, Maggie on who won Big's Backyard. And uh, in Ironman, you know, there's some amazing women, but it hasn't gotten a prominence uh, that the men do in Ironman racing. Uh, any thoughts on that, how we can get, you know, remember, remember right, in the United States, 50% of the people who live here are women. Um, and uh, not to be political, but I did see that on Joe Biden's uh, transition team of 500, more than 50% are women. I so, know. <laughs> that's awesome, right? Amazing. So, it's amazing. Yeah. What absolutely. do you think about, you know, getting more women into the sport and on supporting them so that it can, you know, should be the same, right? I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when I did Kona, um, 28% of the field was women, mm. only 28% of the field. Right. And, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to say that, um, you know, some women, some women don't want to do it and that's fine. And you should be making your own decision. But it struck me when I was racing, the number of men I was surrounded by and the number of women standing on the sideline, holding their kids' hands, cheering for dad. Right. And whatever you want to do is great. But when 28% of the field is women and you are surrounded by all of these men, you can't help but think, 
where does the support start from the men and getting more women into the sport? Mm -hmm. I'm in my mid thirties, you know, and that at my age, this is actually the prime age to be racing Ironman. A lot of women in their, you know, when in their early teens, twenties, they have no desire to do long endurance sports. They've just graduated college. They're trying to figure out their career. They're trying to figure out balance and this whole new life ahead of them. Um, You know, and as you get older, um, it's also just quite frankly, harder on your body. I mean, granted, Mm -hmm. I, my very first Ironman, I was passed by a woman in Ironman Arizona that had her age 77 on her calf. So it happened. Um, but, you know, women who are my age, which is the age when you can be, um, when you are primed to really be racing, not only are you more financially secure, your career is more secure. It's something that, um, you know, you figured out how you can balance it into your life, but yet you also have all these other expectations, Um, maybe even more of an unfair expectation of you around maintaining the household, having kids, raising kids, holding down a career. So I think a lot of this starts with men championing women and not just telling them they can do it, but actually acting on it. And, you know, you want to go for your long bike ride? Well, then I'm going to take, I'll, you know, take care of the kids for the afternoon. Or Mm -hmm. you have your like several months of Ironman racing here and I'll be the one that's on call with the kids. And then I'll race Ironman for the second half of the year. And you can be the one who's on call racing the kids. Um, You know, I really think that there needs to be a lot more, you know, especially among just our, you know, the traditional man, woman, you know, married household. Um, there needs to be more wh- um, where the man is stepping up so that the woman can get out and participate. Um, you know, I think that there's also a lot of, unfortunately, women who just don't even know where to start or are nervous to start. You see how much, um, you know, teenage girls are dropping out of sports um, Mm -hmm. and how important it is that teenage girls are staying in sports. I can't help but wonder if we were to have, get girls to stick with sports as they enter their teen years, would that translate to them wanting to continue as they get into their 30s, 40s, and 50s? As well, too, I think that, you know, the amount of, of fathers telling their, their teenage girls, 13-year-old girls, oh, okay, well, it's, it's okay to quit. But how many of those fathers would tell their 13-year-old boys it's okay to quit, right. that, uh, that athletic endeavor? I think it's, um, I think it's yeah, I think it just rings true. And also, Megan, I think it goes back to your first comment of when you were talking about your father, when you mm-hmm. were, you know, uh, cuddling with him and he said hey you know do you think I could do something like that and he gave you a very very definitive answer which really put the ball completely in your court um, you know I still have a lot of male friends you know I'm, I'm 39 years old I'm not 40 yet I'm turning 40 next week and you know I've got a lot of my my, my, my male friends still you know when I, I ran Big's backyard last year and I got third 
and and Maggie uh, um, won, and so uh, female won, um, you know, the, the race outright. And a lot of my male friends say, like, num number one, um, you know, is that even humanly possible that a woman can beat all these guys on a worldwide stage? And it's like, absolutely. And then secondly, jokingly, behind closed doors, they will tell me, um, Dave, how, how could you let that happen? How, how could you let a woman beat you? And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, I tried my very best not to lose, right? But yet, you know, th these are still the conversations that are happening behind women's backs with men, right? Mm -hmm. So do you see that as being a big, big part of the problem? You know, I, I guess because the conversations are happening behind my back, I was, I actually wasn't even privy to the fact that these conversations and these little jabs are happening. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, by all means, it's part of the problem. Yeah. I think going back to again, you know, being, we talk about girl dads now, right? After Kobe Bryant and how he raised his daughters. And I think that thankfully, um, you know, the trend is starting to change a bit and fathers are starting to have different conversations with their kids, whether they're boys or girls around, um, sensitivity and what that means around um, participation in sport and what that can look like. Um, and, you know, I think that, again, making sure that we're shifting the narrative and changing the narrative early is ultimately what's going to help predict how we're going to be able to change this in 15, 20, 30 years from now. Um, so, I mean, but again, I think there is a desire among women to do this, but I think that we need to make sure that our male friends, you know, counterparts, partners are stepping up and helping us champ, helping champion these feats for us as well. Yeah, I certainly have feel really strongly about this. I have uh, two daughters, and so I lived in a household of three women and me, you know, and. Uh, I learned a lot. It was probably the most enlightening experience you could have because one thing we know for sure is you never know how anyone else feels unless you ask them and you have to listen. And then you have to realize that these problems don't get fixed fast. You know, there is a lot of work to get sort of out of this issue. I mean, we can get there, but you have to work hard and, and men are going to have to put it in effort. I don't think this is uh, disingenuous of any of us to say that this is one side of a problem. Yeah, you could say, oh, well, no, it's not just us. No, it is. Let's be clear. It's the same issue with social justice. It's the same thing with women and opportunity. We look at every single number and we have judged before anything. We can't do that anymore. You know, we have to support. And support, you've outlined some of them, Megan. You know, support is what we say and don't say, you know, there's, you got to learn like in this community of, it's even getting worse, right? This Instagram community of these beautiful pictures and that's all we ever see. And, and then you say something stupid, you know, like, Oh, what happened to your hair? Or like, like you don't even know what's how it's landing. Right. So just keep your mouth shut. Right. It's like, it's just so often we need to ask a question rather than say something. And then maybe we'll have a start. If someone wants to do something, you know, like, we grew up in our family with we always ask permission, like meaning like, do you mind if I go out and ride my bike? Like right. even if everyone said yes, 
you always acknowledged them. It wasn't like, I'm going to go out for a ride, right? It was always this acknowledgement that we're all together in this. And then the others can ask the same thing, you know, or would you like to go with me? And so we have so much power over this problem. Uh, the reason most of it doesn't get solved is insecurity, you know, because there are those guys who couldn't meet, beat Maggie or Megan or a 10,000 other women at anything they ever tried if they didn't get this sort of, you know, uh, privilege that they got by having been born, you know, with a different chromosome. So, mm -hmm. no, we're on this battle with you and we want to continue to battle it because it's going to take that kind of effort. It's not oh. going to just sort of change just because a few of us feel uncomfortable. I think mm -hmm. it's worthy of it because really, you know, the thing that I did learn throughout my journey is that if you really want to improve your life, single-minded thinking does nothing for that. Whether it's in training, it's in work, multicultural, multi-generation, multi-gender, now you start to see, you're like, wow, look at how they think. Isn't that amazing? I would never have thought of it how Megan thinks of it. And you wouldn't think of it like I, and then we can have this like incredible experience together. And so um, I appreciate how you feel about it. And I'm glad you talked about it because we need to talk about it more and we need to do something then, right? Not just talk, but do. Absolutely. And, and then this world gets better for all, really. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> no, I love it. I, I again, kind of brings me back to that whole debate and the conversation we had probably, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so when the Gillette commercial came out and about talking about toxic masculinity. And really it, it shone a light at a lot of men and said, you know, what, what part are you taking in, in all of this? And so I just think that there needs to be a lot more men like your father. Yeah. who, you know, you, you even think about those moments. I'm, I've, I've got three kids, two, two girls and one boy. And my, my oldest is 14 years old. And, you know, you think about a lot of those little messages that you send here and there, you don't think that really land. And then you find out five years later that really landed and it really changed the trajectory of, of my daughters or my son. And, um, you know, just being a strong leader, you know, being a, a strong leader as a, as a mother, being a strong leader as a father. Um, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think it all matters, doesn't it, Megan? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, again, just being in marketing and communications and talking about the Gillette commercial, I do think that we are starting to see a shift. There's more work that certainly needs to be done, but, you know, 20 years ago, we weren't even talking about it. So conversations are being had thing, you know, it is being acknowledged um there are you know organizations out there that are trying to get women involved in sport women involved in try women involved in endurance sports um and quite frankly it, it just didn't exist um 15 20 years ago so i think you know more needs to be done but this isn't a new concept anymore this isn't some revelation anymore it's just right. a matter of putting it into action now yeah, we appreciate that. And hey, look, we'll be your uh, biggest supporters uh, oh, on all, on well, all levels. Already uh, have been. <laughs> uh, no, we we love uh, what you're out doing. I just want to just mention one more time because I think it's worth mentioning. You know, you you have a really serious senior position in in great companies, and you do that, and you're still an athlete, 
and you hold it together and you, uh, you work through the issues. And I think you're a role model for what's possible. Um, and that's, you know, just the more we see that, the more that we become believers. And so, so keep doing that. And so maybe we'll sort of end with, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you're still pretty young, so we'll give you credit for that. Uh, what's your chasing tomorrow, Megan? What's, uh, what's your future look like? Oh, man. You know, I think if there's one thing this year taught me, it's really to just try and be a little bit better every day. Um, and, you know, not, it's not podiuming at the next race. It's not going faster at the next race. Those things, those things are a product of you trying to set you up to be a little bit better every single day. Um, trying to, you know, improve. We were talking about how I took the time this year to really try and improve some of the areas that I knew that I needed help with, whether that be, um, you know, my technique or even doing like now that I'm not commuting three hours round trip, doing extra um, learnings and, um, you know, taking extra classes to help further my career and help learn about new areas and ways that I can try and be a more strategic communicator and marketer. So, you know, I think that, and, and it's in all aspects of life, right? It's not just racing. It's not just um, work. It's also in being, I'm married, being a better partner to my husband, being a better sister, being a better friend. Um, and I think this, again, it was a pivotal year to really step back and realize that chasing tomorrow isn't the result. It's the little things that you do that hopefully lead up to that result. Well, I think with that, uh, Dave, we'll close this one out. That was awesome, Megan. Hey, best of luck with the training. And when racing starts again, we're going to get you back on and see how uh, 2021 has evolved. So Wonderful. thanks very much. I look forward to it. Bye. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Megan. You're welcome. Well, Dave, I feel like we're the luckiest guys in the world. Every week we get to spend time with such amazing people, and Megan is yet another one of them. I really enjoyed hearing about her career and her Ironman pursuits. She just has such amazing results across the board. And I also felt that she did just this fantastic job of characterizing the issues that women face in sport and life. It's something that we need to hear more often. Well, it was really a great episode for sure. And then next week, we're going to have on Don Reichelt on the podcast. Uh, Don's an ultra marathoner and just a great guy. And he just put down an amazing time at the Tone Hill 100. He came in third. I'm going to let him tell us about his time and his journey from taking 28 hours in 100 to this remarkable result this past weekend. And there you have it. That's a wrap for this week. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Performance Tea. You can find them on www.performancetea.com. And they've given us a discount code for any of our listeners to get 20% off their purchase. Just use Chasing20 to get the discount. And if you have a topic or guest you'd like to see on the show, email us your ideas at info at chasingtomorrowpodcast.com. And a huge thanks to our listeners for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.